Hi. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Hi Janet. <laughs> Jinx. Jinxer. Hi, Janet. <laughs> Good evening. This is a late night podcast. It's a late night sesh. We had three days to do it and couldn't get it done over the, the weekend. So. It was a busy weekend. It, it felt really busy. Was. I don't it was, know that yeah. I did much, but I it felt busy. A lot of days I didn't do much. Some days I did a little, not not too much. We Scarcely. did one thing yesterday, and that wore me out. It was just right. What did you do yesterday? We went to... Oh, we went to the rack. Yes. We went to the rack. We did one thing. We did one thing. It was, I was whipped. It was it was successful. It was a successful mission. I yeah. feel I feel mm-hmm. good about the stuff that I got. I need to go back and get a couple more of the things I got because I like mm-hmm. them so much. Mm-hmm. I found a bra type situation <laughs> that I actually liked. Mm. I always yeah. buy them. I never try them on. I never try anything on. No, I can't. I can't. I won't. I refuse. I, buy, I skeptically buy bras all the time, and I always take them back. I can't. I don't like any of them. They're too tight. They're too loose. I just don't. I don't know. But now they're making these, like, sci-fi, squeezy, space laser bras. cut, space bra. Yeah. yeah, I'm into that. I got some at Uniqlo a couple of years ago, and they've fallen apart. But, I mean, who who even cares about that stuff now? Like, that's it's almost kind of... Yeah. It, it went it went out like no bras for so long and now i feel like bras are coming back a little bit but uh, yeah also i feel like if all your clothes are soft super soft comfortable clothes but you have a bad bra ugh you might as well just be wearing barbed wire what's the point yeah exactly it's the worst or to even yeah i mean to even wear a bra at all with all the soft clothes is a little bit of a travesty but if you can find a soft bra then right that's functional yeah, and you know, I really am attracted to the skims, like all of those cozy-looking, you know, Kim Kardashian stuff, but it's too expensive, and when we looked at it, there was so much of it you can't wash. Like, what Yeah, the? and it seems a little flimsy, frankly. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's why you can't wash it. Mm-hmm. It's going to fall apart. So, I was thinking about, I was in the shower the other day, and I was thinking about amends, and, you know... I never, so, okay, so I know I will shamelessly admit that I've been listening to Harry Styles, and I listen to it often. I know you have. I you know. don't have to tell me. I was oh. like, wait, what is this music she's listening to? And I then I thought, it must be Harry Styles, because A, I don't get it at all, mm-hmm. and B, I know that you have a pretty big crush on Harry Styles. <laughs> so I put I, one, I wouldn't in, say crush. one and one together. I don't want to say crush. It's not. I I just like him. It's not a. It's not a crush, really. I just enjoy him. Mm-hmm. So, so right. So the last couple of days, I've been listening to Harry Styles and dancing in the shower, which I've been told is dangerous at my age. But I'm gonna <laughs> just live life on the edge. But it's not so, the most dangerous thing you've ever done. I'm certain of that. Certainly not. And also, I usually listen to this certain Pandora station. It's called the Screaming Trees Station. And so they play all different songs of that ilk. So you'll get some Soundgarden. You'll get some Alice in Chains. You'll get some Jack White. You'll get all the stuff I like, all the grungy stuff. Some, did I say Soundgarden? Yeah. And so I don't know if I ever told you the story, but Okay, so a song came on the Screaming Tree Station that Fun Bunny sang on with Alice in Chains. 
So that's mm-hmm. how this came up because the song came on. This didn't just mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. It's not that mm-hmm. I want to tell a rock story or whatever. It has I mean, I to love do- to hear a rock story. Oh, thank you, friend. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a fine line because I don't want to be exploitive or name droppy or whatever. But it just is what it is. So I mean, the here facts it is. are the facts. It's sure. just the truth. It's, it is. Yeah. And besides, we're hiding the name. So what? What <laughs> who's gonna ever credit know? Are we getting? <laughs> who's gonna guess? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Fine Line is the name of Harry Styles' new album. Oh, <laughs> just oh, FYI. Mm, just FYI. So the song comes on that Fun Bunny sang on with this Allison Chains EP and some other guest singer, I think Chris Cornell sang on it, and then Lane and Jerry. So I was <sighs> That song just brought back this flood of memories of a situation, and then I, I'll, I'll get to the amends piece of it later. But Fun Bunny and I were at a party at Landon Demery's apartment, Carolina Courts, and I was in line for the bathroom. There were quite a few people there. The line it was in an it, apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down Can you on, imagine if our neighbors like had a huge party like that, like we used to have? Well, it was kind of that sort of apartment building. It was down on whatever that street is where the off-ramp is and, like, the Lake Union pub or whatever, mm -hmm. the East Lake or West Lake or whatever that thing is. Yeah. It was there, which is kind of no man's land. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you the building. It's still there. It's just a big brick, U-shaped, you know, horseshoe-shaped building. Mm -hmm. And Lane and Demery live there. And so when Fun Bunny was gone away on tour, I started going to Allison Chains. I became friends with Allison Chains. With I started going to their shows, and I must have had a friend who said, oh, you should come see these guys. And I was kind of against it, even though, you know, I went to high school in Renton, and I'm kind of a rocker at heart. I didn't, I just didn't know anything about him. So we went, and he happened to be friends with Demery. And so I got introduced to Demery, and she and I became friends. And so I started hanging out with her and Lane. And then when Fun Bunny came home, I was just like, oh, hey, let's come hang out with, you know, our new friends. And Back then, th- there were kind of two different camps, or yeah. maybe more than two different camps of music. And I was in one, mm-hmm. and they were in a different one. And we never mm-hmm. had really crossed over. So, I mean, I really was acting as a bridge in these two different societies. <laughs> so, Fun Bunny was kind of against going to the shows, but he really liked Lena Demery. So, we all became friends, and I think I might have made him go to some Allison Chain show at the Central or something. And he kind of got converted because it was fun live. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just like good fun rock. And so we're at a party at their house. And we had had an incident where Fun Bunny didn't come home one night recently. There was a woman that worked at my mom's law firm, coincidentally, young woman, like our age, who had a mad crush on him. And he went out one night with his friend to a show and a party and I didn't go. And he didn't come home. And Yeah, so I woke, I happened to wake up at like three or four in the morning and I called his friend that he had gone out with and said, Where's Fun Bunny? And he was like, Uh, and I was like, Okay. Yikes. So he had some sort of interaction with this woman somewhere along the way that night. And I, you know, he told me his version of the story and I don't know if I ever believed it or not, but I was hurt. What, what do you believe now? I still don't really know exactly where to land on it, but it, the, but this all comes together after the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So, the, so that had happened, and he was, he was really remorseful and and really sorry, and whatever had happened. I don't, I can't even remember what he told me had happened, but he just swore up and down that they didn't sleep together, but they had some sort of interaction, and. I mean, I I I was pretty trusting of him at that time, and and I, I 
I just took it at face value, but I don't know if it ever really sat right. But, you know, I was young. We were young. We were whatever. And so, you know, very, very soon after that, we're at a party at Lane and Demery's and I'm in the line to go to the bathroom and Jerry Cantrell is behind me in line to go to the bathroom. And it's taking everyone a really long time in the bathroom, you know. And so he says to me, hey, can I come in with you when you go in and I'll share with you whatever I'm partaking in in the bathroom? Mm-hmm. I was like, sure. So he comes in the bathroom with me and I just, uh, like, I go number one. He's not looking at me. It wasn't even creepy like that. It was just like he really just wanted to go in the bathroom to do some biz. And I ended up not doing that biz with him. But, he and I became friends in the bathroom. Nothing nothing sketchy, just mm-hmm. bros. And so throughout the night, we keep kind of running into each other and joking around and stuff. Like, we're new friends. We're new friends. And he, it's getting late, getting late, getting late. And he goes, you know, could you give me a ride? And I said, Sure. So I go tell Fun Bunny, like, I'll be right back. I'm going to give this bro a ride home real quick. And he's like, sure, no big deal. But you're going to so, leave the party to give a guy a ride home. Yeah. And the kicker is I'm taking <laughs> Fun Bunny's car mm-hmm. to go do this. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything, like, was maliciously planned out or nefarious, really. But, you know, it's, we were pretty. It's weird at the jump. It is, and I and I was doing okay. I was doing it a little bit maliciously because, like I said, I was hurt about the situation that Mm -hmm. we were trying to recover from from him not coming home one night, and I wanted him to feel a little bit of heat, but I wasn't. I didn't set out to like physically get revenge, you know, with Jerry. Like it wasn't that. It was just like, oh, I'm gonna. So I, so I drive Jerry home, and he's living in the basement of his manager's house. Kelly Curtis. And so we get to his place and we just, we're just kicking it. We're just talking. We might've been drinking some beers or whatever. And he, you know, we really are having a deep heartfelt conversation and talking about all kinds of stuff. And we did kind of make out a little bit, but nothing too serious, nothing too heavy. Like it wasn't too creepy, like nothing. He wasn't, he was a total gentleman. I will say that. And so I don't know. We just needed to have a moment together and just talk. He told me a lot of stuff about himself and about his high school years and about losing his mom and all this stuff. And he was playing songs for me and just whatever, you know, it was just one of those kind of drunken nights. But before we knew it, the whole night had gone by. So all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. And I think we kind of fell asleep. Knock, knock, knock. There's a knock on his door. And he's like, what? And so Kelly Curtis goes, do you have a a woman in there? And he goes, yeah. And Kelly Curtis said, well, because her roommate is on the phone and he wants his car back oh and i was like do i have a roommate now like oh no <laughs> uh oh and i was like all right i'll go so i go home and it's you know mid-morning probably by this time and on the way home i started thinking like how does fun bunny have this phone number you know back mm-hmm. then it was landlines like i guess you could look it up but i don't know how he would even know where to find jerry in someone's basement or whatever so I get home and I tell him what happened. You know, we just talked and then kind of crashed and nothing happened all as well. And he's like, okay, well, I need my car because I'm going in the studio today to go sing on a song with <laughs> Jerry and Lane. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, and he goes, yeah, this is how I had his phone number. He gave me his phone number at the party because when he asked me to come sing on a song with him today. And I'm like, oh, we're t- I'm with Jerry the whole night and he doesn't bother to tell me this. Oh, well, by the did, way. What, did he for sure know that you were... Fun Bunny's girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. I was driving his car. Yeah. He knew I lived with him. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. 
So they're in the studio all day, and I'm trying to recover from this. And, you know, I didn't feel that good about what I did, but I didn't feel that bad about it either. Mm -hmm. I thought he deserved a little taste of his own medicine. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, I've tried to do that before, and this shit always backfires on me. It's a a boomerang. (laughs) Especially my stupid plans. (laughs) So he comes home from the studio at the end of the day, and he goes, oh, Lane and Jerry want us to come out and meet them for some beers at the Pioneer Square Saloon. And I was like, what now? And he goes, yeah, Lane and Jerry want us to come out to drinking with them tonight. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So we go to the Pioneer Square Saloon, and we just start drinking pitchers of beer with Lane and Jerry. And Fun Bunny gets so drunk, he starts calling them Jane and Larry. And I... (laughs) Yeah. And I just am so irritated with him for so many reasons at that time. And Jerry and I are acting weird because Mm -hmm. even though we don't have anything really to be Mm -hmm. remorseful for, we're kind of uncomfortable around each other, friendly, but whatever. And we're all getting very drunk and, you know, we're all laughing a bunch and stuff. And then Jerry's like, oh, I'm going to go out and to the car and you know smoke some weed and I'm like I'll come with you and he's and so I go out and smoke pot with him and I'm just like this is really weird this is so strange like how is this what is happening and he's like I mean it seems cool everything seems all right you know and I'm like okay good I hope everybody's okay like I don't know and so then they we go home. I mean, you know, Fun Bunny and I eventually break up and all that stuff. And then I'm in the... Well, oh, I went on some dates with Jerry. After Fun Bunny and I broke up, Jerry and I went on some dates. And all we did was fight the whole time about what music he wanted to listen to on the stereo. And we never even, like, kissed or made out or anything. We just like fought the whole time. play fight or really fight? I mean, kind of, you know, I was just such an elitist little brat that I was... You know, he wanted to listen to, like, Lenny Kravitz or something. And I was just like, "Are you? is this a joke? Like, is this what you're listening to? You know, it was just stupid. It was just stuff like yeah. that. And he wanted to go do, like, kind of more, like, butt rock stuff. And I wanted to go do more, like, grunge stuff, you know? I was mm-hmm. wearing gigantic overalls and a bandana tied in my hair. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And we were just into different substances too you know mm-hmm. at that time yeah, yeah. right not maybe not knowing not knowingly and i think the night of lane and Dumry's party i think i was on ecstasy and a, a combination of many other chemicals and a, a bunch of booze and so you, it was the very nice version of so you. it was nice yeah very friendly very nice. mm-hmm. so you know flash forward to a million years later and i get sober and i'm going through the steps for the first time you know and i make my amends list and of course fun bunnies on my amends list and like this is the the situation specifically i'm thinking of you mm-hmm. know to make amends to him for and i'm all ready and to you know no matter to set aside the other person's mm-hmm. you know stuff and i'm ready to make this amends and i reach out to him, sent him an email back then and said, hey, you know, I'd like to make it see you. I'd like to take you out to coffee. I'd like to the opportunity to make amends to you if you could find it in your heart to, you know, see me. And he says, no, no, thanks. I'm good. I know it's part of your AA program, but why don't you do this? Why don't you make amends to someone else and pretend it's me? And I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. 
So I never got to I've never got to make amends to Fun Bunny for the that's a, um, thrown out of the office amends. <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> for the Jerry Cantrell. I, well, the the disappointing part of not being able to make that amends for me is I would love for him to answer the question like, "Is there anything I left out?" <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, by the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've seen I don't think I've seen Jerry Cantrell in twenty year 23 three years i don't think i've seen him since i've been sober i mean not that i feel like i have any amends to make to him but it would be mm-hmm. i mean i'd love to see him say hi whatever mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope he's doing well and happy and healthy and successful and that was such a crazy time and thriving Seattle. yeah it was and you know just looking back at my behavior and relationships, like all the stuff we've been talking about lately and all the stuff that I've been talking about with my therapist and being a young person, you know, just being a young person in those kind of relationships. And I really felt like, I know I've said this before, but I mean, Fun Bunny was a really good relationship, you know, other than the time that he didn't come home and spent the night mm-hmm. with a woman that worked at my mom's law firm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there were a couple little hiccups in the road or whatever, but you know, when I, and I always tell this to Mason, like when I was young, I thought that I thought that all of the stuff that I had in that relationship was easy to find, you know, mm-hmm. because I found it so young in life at age 21 when I started going out with him that I think we were together like three years and which felt like a long time back then. And I was just kind of nonchalant about it, very dismissive of like, no big deal. I'll find mm-hmm. another situation like this. And I I can't say that I really have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? And I, so yeah. I've just always tried to explain to him that just about like the percentages, the percentage ratios of how much is good compared to the small slice of things that you might want to change if you could or something to just be gracious or mindful or respectful of of those young in life relationships and they you know if you if you get one that's really 80 90 percent pretty good you know you might yeah. not get you might not find a bunch more of those in life yeah that's true so that's my that's my sad story <laughs> it's a good it's a good story it's a very rock story i mean the, the story of it is an unleft amends story mm-hmm. um yeah but it tell it told me in the book that I have to stand ready, and if I'm if I see the opportunity mm-hmm. to stand at the ready to be willing to make the amends, I'm still willing. Mm-hmm. Fun bunny, if you're mm-hmm. if you're out there, <laughs> I'm here for you, bro. I've seen him. I've seen him. He 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 doesn't really seem like he really wants to be friendly or say hello yeah. to me. But yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. My relationships at that time, I don't think I, like, none of mine were good. I didn't have a good relationship until I had children. Mm, yeah. I I mean. I had a good, I had a really good boyfriend in high school. My last couple of years of high school, he was a really great, great person. I saw him a few years ago after not seeing him for 30,000 years, and it was great to see him. Yeah. I uh, dated a few people in high school that were pretty, well, it's hard to say. I mean, I did not have, 
I think I was a difficult person. I was, I did not have my shit together. <laughs> like in any way, like just like my home life was really chaotic, my financial life, like I just never had money, so I wasn't like I couldn't flex and buy you know, by the time I was legal drinking age, I was already so strung out that like that's not where mm. I was spending money. So yeah. I never like I don't know, just I was, you know, I was just kind of always outside of the cool places. I was always like maybe selling drugs outside the cool place or maybe like too young to get in and waiting for my boyfriend to finish a set or whatever. Like, right. I w- and I just like didn't have money to or like it didn't feel like I had any social pull really at all. I was very pretty shy. I still am pretty shy and like very little confidence and i think nobody like sadly the truth about people with those characteristics is they often get taken advantage of and never like really can um like stunt on anybody right like i I wasn't really no one was going to be impressed with me you know that's not true well it is true at that age at that age, I was pretty scrubby. I was, a, I mean, I was like a average. Everyone that knows you from back then loved you. You've always been the essence of you. You've always been creative and funny and smart and an artist and just an awesome person. Mm, I mean, I'm, I'll take your word for it based on that I, I don't think... Do you have any uh, any snubs, any amends snubs like that in your experience where you've approached someone and they've been so snarky? <laughs> Make amends to someone else and pretend it's me. I mean, I that mean, is very snarky. Yeah. It's very. I did respond to him. I responded to him when he said that. And I just said, wow, I'm really sorry that you that your impression of me is that I would be doing it for a reason other than a yeah. sincere right you know yeah that's the authentic, bummer of that one yeah right you can tell that like there's still a wound there yeah and I he's trying like, to act like there isn't like don't bother i don't need it but like <laughs> right. that reaction yeah. means that you do you know yeah. it's like people don't know what amends are i think i think he probably doesn't know what an amends is he was always pretty against aa like he really thought it was for you know, he had all the stereotypical, you know, yeah. stigmatizing ideas about AA. So yeah, kind of yeah. made it kind of made sense that that was his response. But yeah. I mean, and he like my experience of him. I went to high school with people that were in bands with him. I didn't ever know him personally, except as his someone who knew him transactionally. You know, I didn't really <laughs> know him. Um, <laughs> But his whole, like, persona to me seemed like finger in the eye of society, right? If it was cool, he thought it was dumb. Mm-hmm. If it was if it was alternative, I mean, he was just, like, very angst and, like, thumb in the eye was his whole deal. So anything sort of conventional, he would not like, of course. Well, right. And he, you know, he graduated from college and... Did he was, go to Evergreen? No. He went to whatever private college. Did he go? I think he went to the same college as Lucas. Oh, Willamette. 
Maybe. Is it in McMinnville, Oregon? No, but that's where the federal prison is. Oh, well, he went to some college like that, and then he, I think, for two years, and then he graduated from the UW. Mm. And so he was smart, and he was also a smart ass. And he also, you know what I mean? And he also was kind of the decider of what was cool in a certain, you know, demographic of whatever. So, yeah, he certainly was was seen that way. Yeah. I just never... I mean, in the like the grunge time in Seattle, I just feel like I didn't, I didn't have any clout really. Like I had no, I was a scrubby drug dealer, not mm-hmm. like a like I don't know, not like a cool drug dealer with a cool car that everybody. You didn't have a Ferrari. I did not. You didn't have a Miami Vice I had a, apartment um, on the. I had a yellow Honda CVCC. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> Hondomatic. Yeah, no, I mean, I, so that time, I mean, that was a fun time. I was outside a lot of shows. I went to a lot of shows when they had all ages clubs, but as soon as they started closing down on those, mm-hmm. like I wasn't, I I think, I mean, I f- could sometimes get into sh- Central Tavern shows and sometimes get into, but if right. it wasn't all ages, like I, I mean, I wasn't going to, I wasn't getting in. I had a fake ID when I was 17 and it was a woman that looked nothing like me and was like 35 years old. I swear mm-hmm. to God, I didn't even know her birthday barely or her name. And yeah. I got in a lot of places like the central with that ID. And a lot of times I would just sneak in the back when the band was loading in. So yeah, yeah. I started yeah. going to I the central like, and the Vogue. Yeah, I could get really in, early. in yeah. situations like that. Like, yeah. if, you know, if I knew someone, which very often I did know someone that was playing. I mean, but I just never, I just like never had any money. I, you know, usually had a boyfriend that was kind of a dick, you know, just like not very <laughs> nice to people. Did you get, did you have, have you been snubbed by any boyfriends that you've tried to make amends to? Ex-boyfriends, no. obviously. Oh. Hmm. And then, you know, for some reason, I don't know why my sponsor didn't stop me from doing this. My first amends that I tried, I tried, I tried to clump them in different categories, and I had a whole category of ex-boyfriends, and I did all of those first for oh, some reason, yeah, we which was stopped you from that. devastating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just yeah. assumed that they all would just were just you know worshiping at an altar they had built for me, and would just be so thrilled that I was mm-hmm. you know contacting oh, yeah, them, right. and that was literally not the case with no, any like, single any person. Please, please do not. Don't come near me. Don't hurt me, please. Right. What have I done to you? Yeah. And then, but really to realize like the brutality of how, you know, I had treated people at that in in my life. But again, we know, now we know why. And so all of the, even from when I, you know, when I was sober the first couple of years going through this, making amends and all that stuff and feeling like pretty cruddy about how my behavior in those relationships. And then, but now there's some new information about my operating system, you know, and yeah. about what what resources I had to yeah. be in a relationship at all. Right, right. Yeah. I ha- I mean, I, there was a guy, and we never really formally dated, but I knew he liked me. And I, you know, was really manipulative and 
you know, he he had a job and I didn't have a job. But if I was at someone's house and wanted him to bring me food, I would like demand that he leave his job and come bring <laughs> oh me food. God. And he would. And like, I just took advantage of that a lot. And he ended up working for or like maybe his sister did. And then his sister got him a job with Def Jam. He worked with Def Jam. And and then when, you know, I was like, I was just like a scrubby, average, low-level drug dealer. But let me say, yeah, and I know that like speaking on people's appearances is inappropriate, even if it's intended as a compliment. But you were so freaking cute. You were the cutest little button of a little av dope dealer. <laughs> yes, you were so freaking cute. You still are. Yeah. But very, very, very cute. So I just want the listener to understand. <laughs> I wish I could show a picture of the, the you know, the little goth JV with the, you know, the what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Like, that's who I'm picturing when you're saying like, oh, I was just a scrub just hanging on the sidewalk. <laughs> that's well, not exactly accurate. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you, it wasn't like everyone didn't like you and and that you didn't have you know that you didn't garner any attention in life or that you were just alone alone just lonely alone (laughs) okay it's fine if people are it's fine if people are alone Mm -hmm. it's fine but yeah in my version of your life story you were not but always surrounded by a group of friends and people and dudes and stuff and yeah all kind of stuff. i mean it's po- it's very possible like my my perception is yeah maybe that's how you felt perception in, is a that's how long. you felt yeah. inside for sure yeah. yeah i'm not trying to take that away from you yeah 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 and, and i i think when you have that kind of like that's how i feel inside people on the exterior can sense it even if they don't know that that's what it is they're sensing they're like i mean I, i'm just saying like my life was very chaotic and haphazard for a long time until really I had probably until Lucas was born, I, like had a very like chaotic haphazard life, like not very good, at, not very employable, not v- couldn't do very well in school, couldn't really keep a successful relationship going for like I just had a kind of bouncing along the bottom sort of life. You know, couldn't finish any program I started. But anyway, that got that got better for me when I got sober. And sure, yeah. You know, I think that was probably a lot of my problem. But this one guy, like I, I was just like very manipulative to him, and I knew he liked me, and I didn't like him back in that way. But right. I took advantage of the but fact you knew that, he that he would, did. Yeah. yeah, sure. And so he. So there, there was a scene, this is actually like about the time I first met Claudia, oh. around this time, through these same people. Oh, wow. She came to, um, I remember she, her friend Vic came to Seattle. I don't know where I first met him, but he, I, like, he was just a, like a tremendous looking person, like beautiful hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And he just showed up somehow and. He was friends with a person that I had dated who was also friends with this person who worked at Def Jam. And, like, there was this whole scene of the Av 
of University Way. Sure. And they were all, you know, all a little bit older than me and Claudia, but we were, we all hung out together and they, you know, kind of fixed up ratty motorcycles and we would wait for the express lanes to turn and they would go from north to south. And if you caught it at the right time, you could be the first on and you could take your motorcycles and just open them up on the express lanes. And we would do that on Saturday nights and fun. Oh they, my gosh. they smoked a lot of weed. They listened to a lot of reggae and they like sometimes sold a little bit of cocaine here and there, but nothing major, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody was doing anything major. But that scene was very much anti-IV drugs or mm. anti-heroin. Yeah. Anti. Like, they did not think it was cool. They had seen a lot of their friends get sick and and turn into assholes and junkies. And and so they ha- that, like, that scene was very anti. And I was very involved in IV drugs and heroin. Right. And I... And... They kind of like turned a blind eye to it sometimes for me and sometimes not. But so this cat starts working at Def Jam and I think this was like right on the edge of like, I was probably about 19 or so and and the Beastie Boys come to town. Oh. And this guy, Def Jam guy. I don't exactly know how the transaction goes on his end, but mm-hmm. he right. he finds me and he says, I need you to buy me. No, here's what happens. I'm sitting on the Ave at the post office, right? Like post sure. it up. That's post where it up the, at the post office. Post yeah. Up, post it up. That's where the pay phones are. You sit by the pay phones. You're making your deals on the pay phones going back and forth. You're kind of waiting for someone to come around looking for something. And the BC boys and this dude walk up to the post office and I don't know who they are at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I had heard of them, but barely. And they're dressed very different from people who are usually buying drugs from me. (laughs) Seattle people. Yeah. You know, they got their like baseball hat to the side and a dookie chain and, and yeah, they, they looked, Cute and uh, <laughs> Ad Rock, who, who I later find out to be Ad Rock, mm-hmm. walks up to me and he says, "Why don't you tie my shoe?" What is that slang for? He said, "Tie." He wanted me to tie his shoe. Oh, he literally wanted you he to tie his shoe. Literally wanted me to tie his shoe. Oh, oh no! I'm sorry. I can't provide right. that. Right, you've gotten for you. me mistaken for some kind of someone else. Oh. Right, like huh. I can't. I'm not gonna do that for you. And then he's with the dude who works at Def Jam, and he's like, "Can you get us some dope?" Oh. And first of all, I'm like, "Wait, what? Like you're the one who talks mad shit about me." I know you like me, but when you're trying to be cool with your other friends, you talk about how you don't like this deal or this business that I'm in or whatever. And But now you want something from me and your punk ass friend just told me to tie his shoe mm. and and they look weird to me. So they give me some money and <laughs> I uh, hit, hit up the payphone and I call a gal who lives up the street. And it's probably about two weeks before she was robbed at that house. Um, mm. 
I wish we had names for all these people that I'm about to drop because I need to, there's a funny story that goes along with that. Mm. I call her, go up the street, and I pinch the bag because that's what you do when you're buying dope on the street. You're not going to get what you pay for. That's just never how it's going to go. You're lucky I pinched it and didn't put anything else on it, right? Like, I didn't cut it. I didn't stretch it. I just pinched it. And I give it back to them and Mm -hmm. whatever. I, like, have a bad feeling about the whole thing. Like, those guys just treated me like trash. I just acted like trash. And also, Mm -hmm. I took a long time. Like, it took me a while. So they were all pissed off by the time I got back and... And and yeah, I yeah. guess like he got heat because the bag was light, right? So he he got I don't know ranked on mm-hmm. by his friends or, and then it got back to like some people in that scene that were very anti, and and there was some like I had crossed this line that they had, right? Like there was a line in. A moral code, um, some law that I broke that was, they were, they was too much. And so a friend of the guy I used to go out, had gone out with when I was younger, just like dressed me down in the middle of the street, just called me names, called me trash that I, because I had done this, I'd ripped off these special people who weren't who were, had been shitty to me. And so, right. You know, I think I quickly in not much time after that moved to Belltown, like I started hanging out in a different neighborhood and um, like the, so that person Mm. that I'm talking about that yelled at me was the person that I just showed you on the news show. You remember that record that, yeah, that, that was that guy. And um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. His sister, mm-hmm. she and I, like, if I saw her today, I would be overjoyed and I would love to have dinner or coffee with her anytime. She, she's a very dear person to me. Um, but he and I never recovered from that, that break, that schism. Like, I'm sure if I saw him, we could <laughs> have a fine cup of coffee, right? It would be fine. But it's been 35 years or so. So probably yeah, it's, it's patched up, but. But like that was a that was a breakup. Like <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. divide. And I, and I just knew like I had gone farther than mm. than like it wasn't a party for me anymore. And there 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 yeah. were people that were still partying and I was not partying. Like if you're going to yeah. give me $80 or whatever, however many dollars and think I'm going to do something for you, like I'm at work. Like I'm it's not going to be for free. We're not partying here. So for free, yeah. To, like yeah. I realized, like I was in a different mm-hmm. place than people that were, you know, in kind of like dabbling or, you know, what we've called tourists, right? Like I'm not. This is not that for me. It's probably one of the times where I realized, like I'm yeah. not, like I, I am having a not typical reaction to drugs and alcohol. I can't take it or leave it, right? Like that's not how it is for me. And that, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't even think he's wrong. Like, that was it was shitty, but that's what my life was like then, right? Like, that's what it was. 
Yeah. And I mean, to have the expectation that you're going to, yeah, I mean, drug deals, there's no code of ethics. It's just like, it's a risk. You're taking a chance. But like pot smokers, dabblers, right? Like I can take it or leave it. And, or like, I have a job and I use drugs on the weekend, but but I like pay taxes and I sometimes use drugs. Like they do have these codes that they don't cross. And he was very much like he would never cross certain lines. And if you did, you were kind of out. And like, I mean, like every drug addict says, the, the moment I say this is what I won't do, for drugs, it's probably pretty much the next thing I'm going to do for drugs, mm-hmm. right? Like, I just didn't have that capacity to, like, live by a code. And so it, that was one of the first times where I said, I'm really, an, I'm, I'm in a different lane than these people, right? Yeah. I'm just, like, a different type. And later on, probably 10 years ago, I found that the Def Jam guy on Facebook and I, you know, made an approach of like, hey, Mm -hmm. man, there's something I want to talk to you about. And I was really, I really took advantage of you. And, 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 you know, I ended up seeing him also the time that I saw him, he was wearing those kind of shoes that have toes in them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, well, he owes you an amends for that. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, toe shoes. Okay. But I mean, we ended up clearing it up. And and of course, like my what I think I need to fix for him, like the piece of his soul that I think I'm gonna give back to him by this um, like I'm gonna clear it up. He's like, Oh yeah, no, I haven't thought about that in 35 years. I right. don't even really remember, or like, yeah, no big deal. I don't don't not you don't need to say any of this, right? right? But I think it's like this big, like, it's going to be a big deal. And it's was very much not a big deal to him. But, but I, you know, I remember that story. First of all, I, I love the Beastie Boys. It turned out I ended up loving that, that band. Sure. I love yeah. their music. I think they were geniuses. But that's the truth of where I was at that time, right? Like, I was not feeling what they were putting down. And they were being dicks. Like, yeah. they were being dicks. Yeah. Maybe that was part of the the fun or something or, like, mm-hmm. the image. But they were very dicky to me. I wonder what that is. I wonder if it was just some, like, some game they did around women. Like, let me see if, um, let me see if I can get this I mean, girl to tie yeah, my shoe. And, yeah, right. I think so. And yeah. I had been a- around the block a minute by then, right? Like, I yeah. know I had, I think that was before I lived in San Francisco, but I'd already been, like, there's a movie called Streetwise that that you can find the whole movie on YouTube. If you haven't yeah. seen it, we should watch it again. I watch it about every 10 years. But sure. you can w- watch the whole movie on YouTube, and it's a, it's a documentary made by Mary Ellen Mark and her partner about street kids in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And it's made in like 1982 or 83, somewhere in those years. And uh, there's a character in, in that movie that was my boyfriend at the time that they were filming that movie. And was he, did he live on the street? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And he, uh, we called, we used to call those the hot, hot homeless. 
it's probably really inappropriate to say <laughs> nowadays, but yeah, they back they all in the hung, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, eighty two, eighty three. They hung out at this donut shop that ended up like there being like a war, or like the the punk rock kids and the donut holers, like they got in fights and <laughs> stabbings happened, like. Because cause there were punk rock clubs down there, too. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of, like, on both, like, felt for both sides. But there was a boy in that who, who like, during the filming of the movie, he's wearing a pin on his hat that I had given him. Oh. And, he, and in that movie, he dyes his hair black because he wanted to be a little bit more goth so that mm-hmm. I would like him. Yeah. Right? Like, it was, we were very... But, like, I had already been in a scene where, like, you don't, it's very much like your your guard is up all the time, right? Like, you're, you know, when you're, like, a kind of, I was never a street kid. My parents would always let me back in the house, almost always, 80% of the time would let me home. Yeah. Let me, you know, sometimes they would not let me back for periods of time but mostly always housed right like but I was right on the edge of kids that were not right and I was hanging out with kids that were not and you know I just learned like street sense at you know 14 15 wow and when you know if you're gonna walk up to me acting shitty right from the jump like I I'm not I'm not uh, I, I was already savvy enough to like know I was gonna fuck you over by the time you even before you even crossed the street, right? Like, well, even just like a stranger with money, like you're you're done. You're, yeah, you're, it's not gonna turn out well for you. Mm. No, I don't know you, and you yeah. need what I have. Right, you need what I have, and you can't. You th- this is the place you come to get what you need. Well, you're not gonna talk to me that way. I mean, I get what well, I get what my thinking was when I was a little kid at that age. Like, I, I understand why she burned him. You know, I understand it. Yeah, I, I get it. What became of the kid that was in the Streetwise? What became of him? In yeah, life? he's still so I'm not on Facebook. I'm not I'm not good at social media. Though, but the last time I was on Facebook is probably about five years ago. And there was a Streetwise Facebook group. And, oh wow! And they tracked him down. His name is Frank. He, oh my um, gosh! They tracked him down. I would love to hear from him. I would mm-hmm. love somehow if I'd love to buy him a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we there was a, a Facebook group, and they kind of found him. I think some people found him. A lot of the people, like one of the gals on that documentary, was killed by the Green River Killer. I remember um, that. Hmm. One of the girls was stabbed to death at the outside the arcade. Oh wow! One of the boys kills himself during the filming of the documentary. Holy shit! I mean, and then the sort of the main character, her name's slipping my mind right now, Tiny. I think they ended up doing quite a few follow up documentaries on her because she was wow. a very. I mean, she was fourteen at or 13 or 12 at the filming, like oh very gosh. young. But yeah, that, that was kind of the scene where I, like by when I started high school, so whatever year that is, 14, 15, I was hanging mm-hmm. out with that scene. That's amazing you went to high school. 
yeah, it is amazing. I went to high school. I didn't do well. I didn't do well in high school. I mean, luckily, I went to a art school. And so, mm-hmm. you know, by the time I graduated, I was pretty... I couldn't pass a academic class, could I? but I could pass a lot of the mm-hmm. art. And I, you know, I... I Past, you know, I graduated from high school, but I think because people were pretty charitable. Because I got, I mean, I got like season D's in almost everything. Right. And I, you know, I had drug problems and um, <laughs> attendance problems. problems. I had and some problems. I don't know. I had shit a few together. problems. I, I didn't. And we took the city bus. Like we didn't, there wasn't a school bus. We took the city bus mm-hmm. and this, you know, Anything can happen. Right on the Capitol Hill. And so, you know, I was riding a bus downtown and then just staying downtown. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't necessarily always make it home. If I wouldn't have gone to an alternative high school my last couple years of high school, I'm sure I would have never finished Oh, yeah. If I hadn't gone to private school, I I wouldn't have finished. If I had had gotten to public school, I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have gone. No. I just got lost in the shuffle. I just fell through the cracks. Yeah. And, you know, when I told my parents that I wanted to go to this alternative high school, my mom was all for it, super supportive, and my dad just blew his top. Like, it was just such a terrible decision. Like, it was the worst thing I could do. I was giving up on my life. His favorite his favorite thing he used to say to me when, he, when I would do something that he didn't approve of, he would be like, you're going to end up marrying a gas station attendant. That was his big... <laughs> Like insult to me, and I'm just like, where does that even come from? Like, what, first of all, gas stations what's a don't gas have station attendants. attendants. I know. <laughs> even back, even the '80s, they really didn't. I was Mm-mm. just like, what are you talking about, Dad? But anything I did, like outside his idea of the normal structure of society, he was convinced I was ruining my life. And actually, mm-hmm. that move probably saved my life. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, would never right. really, he wouldn't listen to anything right. I said, and he wouldn't right. ever investigate anything I talked about. Right. But I moved out of his house at that time and moved in with my mom because he was just so, just unreasonable. I just felt like he was just so irrational when it came to anything regarding me. Anything I'd try to talk to him about, he just blew a fuse. It was never like, oh, well, tell me why you want to go there. Just like, oh, my God, you're going to ruin your life. You're going to end up marrying a gas station attendant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I never did. My mom's was, you're going to end up dead in the ditch. Well, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I say that. I always say that now. I love that. I love that. I'm dead in a ditch. I thought you were dead in a ditch. I think people I think people used to say that to me too. And I'm sure I said it to Mason. I might still say it to Mason sometimes. Mm-hmm. But back then, I mean, it's probably so hard for young people to understand like how much freedom we had, not having cell phones, not having the internet, not having any of the stuff we have now where we can be in constant contact or track mm-hmm. each other. It's like, yeah. if your parents didn't know where you were, they didn't know where you were. They might nope. landline call your friend's house or something, but that nope. was it. Like we were yep. just totally un- not accountable. Yeah. And I had accounted for. Yeah. I had a, like a bus pass that had an unlimited rides, right? You just buy a bu- one bus pass for the month and you could mm-hmm. ride the bus wherever. I knew where every bus in the city went, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would just rode the bus everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I could go anywhere. Like I was in the whole city. I was in the whole city and buses ran till past two. Right. So I would catch the five, the last five out of downtown, you know, and get home by 2.05 and then 
get up in the morning and go back, go to school. But we just took the bus everywhere. I feel like when Mason and his friends wanted to start riding the bus, they wanted to start taking the city bus to down to the Seattle Center to go to the skate park down there. And, I mean, he was probably 12, 13 or something. And of course, I didn't want him to. I probably called you and said, he wants to take the bus. And you were like, yeah, that's what kids do. They take the bus. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll let him take the bus. <laughs> because we know, you mm-hmm. know, like once you have that f- and you're out in the city and you have that freedom, it's like, which which way are you going to go? What's going to, yep. you know, all yep. the outside influences. And just yep. and not only that, but just like the danger of, oh, yeah. you know. I mean, I saw more dicks on the bus than I saw <laughs> in my personal life, for sure. Like, there was always flashers on the bus. There was always, I mean, I saw fights. I saw right. flashers. I saw, yeah, it was it was wild. It was yeah. wild. Yeah. I haven't been uh, on like, I'm 14 bus. years, 14 years old, riding the, the five down Aurora, yeah. right? All the way to the Seattle Center. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a gnarly bus ride. Yeah, and to to be a young woman, to be a girl, a young girl mm-hmm. on the bus by yourself, like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but nobody, I mean, this sounds histrionic or, like, but nobody was watching. Nobody cared, really. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody, nobody, like, my family didn't want to, they didn't want to lose me, but day to day, nobody was watching me. Right. Right. Nobody knew that like, oh yeah, I got a uh, sexually assaulted on the bus again. Mm-hmm. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. there was no one to tell that story to. Right? right. There wasn't anyone who was like, how are you? What's been going on in your life? Yeah. You know, there, there was just like, m- maybe there might be enough there might be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you could make when you got home. There might be, like, some leftovers from the night before. But, like, if there wasn't, you got to cobble something together on your own. You know, like, there just yeah. wasn't anybody to to ask or to notice, really. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I was in a lot of, like, as a young, young person, I was in a lot of super dangerous positions and like i don't even think that i knew enough to be scared because no one told no one knew cared enough to tell me that what i was doing was dangerous right so i remember i would wait for the bus and it this sounds crazy but it was the freaking 80s and this is the truth is there would be two or three cars that would stop and say do you do you need a ride right if you were a woman waiting on the bus Men would stop and say, "Would do you want to take a ride?" And and somehow I had enough sense to never get into one of those cars. Right. But that like that was just because like there was some intuition in my in my body that nobody taught me that I knew not to get in any of those cars. Right. Well, we might have gotten that message as really young little kids. Like, don't get in a car with a stranger. Like, they were saying that stuff when we were kids, weren't they? Like, don't get in a van or something. Well, yeah. I mean, I think culturally, I don't think my parents ever said, don't get in a car with a stranger, right? right? They were just, like, out to lunch, basically. So, I mean, I would get lots of, like, you know, your mom's losing sleep or your mom's worrying herself to death about you or 
like I, I would get lots of consequence about like what I was doing to them, mm-hmm. but no one ever said like, here's the rules of our house. You cannot be out past 10. Right. If you're out past 10, you're going to be grounded or whatever. Like, I think I was grounded one time in my life and I just left. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think I was very easy to parent, but I also don't think anybody tried very hard. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, in a time where like literally women, girls were being picked up Disappearing. and killed. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. Like, and two people that I knew were killed by the Green River Killer. Like that was just in the air. We had, Jeez. you know, yeah. we had had um, Ted Bundy already. Like we, there were just people that disappeared. And like yeah. that cultural awareness, like that probably kept me out of cars. Because it right. would have been a lot easier to get a ride than yeah, to take no two buses, you know. You know, d- speaking of Demery, Demery used to tell me that she would hitchhike around. And this was in, you know, the late 80s. And I would just be like, you're hitchhiking? Or you're hitchhiking? And she's like, yeah. And I go, well... But what do you, you know, tell me how this goes down. And she goes, well, they pull up and roll down their window and ask me if I want to ride. And I ask them if they're going to kill me or rape me. And then I and then I just use my intuition to figure out if I think they're telling me the truth when they say no. And I'm like, wow. And I mean, she she sadly is deceased. Mm-hmm. She didn't die from hitchhiking, though. I mean, no, right. she was right. If somebody hesitated too long or whatever i mean i think sometimes she did decline the ride if they didn't answer satisfactorily but i'd found that to be pretty wild at that time to even why is a dude pulling pulling up and asking a young girl if he if she wants a ride if it's not for nefarious purposes i don't know because just like the hitchhiking culture still exists i suppose i mean maybe you know yeah maybe there are some nice people that are willing to give someone a ride Mm -hmm. mm-hmm nice dudes giving someone a ride because they have a sister that they wouldn't want to be in that situation yeah. on the side of the road. I don't think that's the people that were pulling over. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> well, she lived to tell. They weren't trying to, yeah. She lived to tell that tale. She didn't yeah. live. I think she died in 96. I was thinking about her the other day. I think she died in 96. I think she died. She died before Lane because I know Lane really obviously went downhill. He was very, very heartbroken when she died, of course. Mm-hmm. But that was weird. She actually was one of the entities or spirits or whatever that came through and said something to me when I saw that medium, actually, also. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty wild. We, she and I ended up, you know, after I wasn't together with Fun Bunny anymore and she wasn't together with Lane anymore, we kept running into each other, crossing paths. At, we had the same drug dealer and... I kind of see her around and I saw her towards she ended up having like she had to get heart surgery. She had to get her valves replaced and stuff from endocarditis and all that. And then sadly, she had gotten sober and was clean for a few months or something. And then she used one time and and died. Yeah, so sad, really sad. I mean, we were she was young. She was still really young then. I mean, she must have been in her was she 27? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Ugh. Terrible, terrible. It's just such a, it's just such a wild, 
Looking back on those times in life with the perspective of sitting where we're sitting now and realizing just like how many times we cheated death, you know, how oh many, God. just how really just, just sheer luck, some kind of grace, some kind of yeah. divine intervention. I mean, there's just, yeah, beating, the, beating those kind of odds is really miraculous. It's a really, it's really rarefied air, I think, at this point to, to be alive you know to be thriving to not still be suffering from all of that stuff and to be content and hopeful is miraculous yeah yeah well you're younger than me so in the early 80s I was in I mean I graduated from high school in 85 I graduated in 86 oh so we're just one year yeah I graduated a year I think I went to school a year early. Oh, so I was always a, I was always the youngest person in my class. Mm. One of the youngest, right? Because if your birthday's in November and school starts in September, people probably you, your parents probably had the option to hold you back until yeah. starting then September and after. They weren't going to take that option. No, they're like, go ahead, she's <laughs> ready, go, go. <laughs> put her on a bus. Mm-hmm. Well, it was the mm-hmm. same with Mason. It must have been the same with Lucas, too. With the July birthday, they gave me the option to start him in kindergarten that September right after he turned five. Or they yeah. gave me the option to wait another year. And I was like, no, we're not waiting. And I mean, the kids could read a book when he was four years old. Like, yeah. am I just going to keep him in daycare for another year? Not yeah. to mention paying for it. Right. But he, but I think Mason was always around, like, the youngest in his class, too. What year which, did he graduate? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I... Mathematicals. Let's see. <laughs> I don't it's know. not going to happen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Forgive me, my son. My only child. Forgive me. 2011? 2011, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I can't calculate. But, yeah, it's it's nice. And uh, I also saw, so I heard that song on the mm-hmm. Screaming Trees Pandora station. And I heard the song, thought of the situation, thought about the amends. And then that same day, I get on Facebook, and there's a picture a picture of him, current, current day, that someone posted of him on that day. Like, that serendipitous uh-huh. yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah. happens yeah, like yeah, that yeah, all yeah. the time, you're just like, okay, what, yeah, what am I... Right. Okay, I'm what noticing. What are you trying to tell me? Like, what am yeah. I trying to talk about? Yeah. And so... I don't necessarily feel like any of it's a sign of any sort. It's just a somehow a, I feel like I'm in tune with the frequencies when stuff like that happens. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, it's all just this is coming up now. I guess I'm supposed to reflect on this and yeah. And it's come full circle. There yeah. he is yeah. today. Be prayerful. Mm-hmm. And grateful and like the the thing that I think you can do and this might be a cool thing to do is you can do an amends on the spiritual plane Mm -hmm. i have i really have yeah i've always really sent him love you know from afar Mm -hmm. and but you could do a little you could do a ritual right you could do a a thing yeah i sure yeah yeah i've had to do it i don't have any I don't have any resentment. There's no residual anything around 
our relationship or him or his life or or the you know interaction we don't have now i don't have any chart i'm not charged by it it's not it mm-hmm. doesn't activate me it's just kind of a remembrance of a time yeah, or something yeah. you know yeah right just like a snapshot mhm yeah i mean i guess when you get to be this age and you've lived as much life sh- shit's going to come back around you know shit's going to keep shit's going to keep popping up and and every time it does it's like you get to look back on the past with new information about yourself yeah, or about right. human beings right. or about yeah. you know trauma or whatever yeah. and it kind of changes the story yeah i mean that's why i think like i tell women that i work with in the aa steps i tell them that like this process is will, this process will change your life and not the life, your life going forward, but the life that you've already lived, mm-hmm. right? You will get a new perspective about what that w- what was going on and what your mistakes might have been and, and what your mistakes weren't. And, you know, like, you just get a new perspective. Every time I've done every, you know, going to therapy will change your life. The, you know, the way I look back on who I was is different. Mm-hmm. The, the, like compassion that I can hold for myself when I was a scrubby drug dealer, right? Like I can have a new perspective of what was going on for me. Mm -hmm. I really had a breakthrough about that recently in therapy about my behavior in relationships. I think I've talked about this before already, but, but really like I was, I think I was just carrying around some shame around it. Like I, I, you know, I put some, va- I put, I assigned a value to it that I was bad at it and that I was hurtful, you know, and not considerate, not compassionate and all that stuff. But then when I realized, you know, I'm not saying that wasn't, that's not true, but just that I just wasn't capable of doing it any differently at that time. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of know why, like, oh, well, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. My heart wasn't open. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I had been protecting myself my whole life and in fight or flight this whole time. And then yeah. it's not just instantly automatically going to go away because you think you're in love at age 21. Right. So right. stuff like that is, it's empowering. And, and it's also, it gives, it has given me the space to really truly forgive myself and just to realize, and also probably to forgive my parents a little bit more of just like, well, that's they they were working with what they were working with the same way yeah. that I was. Everybody at that time. is, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody is. And everybody has their defects, their scratches, their glitches, their mm-hmm. like programming, their wounds, their like the con- outdated operating system. Yeah, yeah. Their own everyone is stuck with what they got. Mm-hmm. And like I don't think that everybody is always doing their motives are like a clear heart or whatever. I don't think that's always true, but I think it's generally true. People are trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. The most adaptive thing for them. Yeah. The most adaptive I think is probably accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I wonder what our kids are going to say about <laughs> us behind, behind our backs. Yeah. In front of our faces. Yeah. 
I've given Mason opportunities. I mean, maybe I'll offer it to him again. I think the last time I talked to him about it was when he was kind of an older teenager, maybe 18 or 19. And I just said, hey, if there's anything you need, would like to say to me yeah. about anything. Yep. You didn't get the shoes you wanted for Christmas. I, said, I embarrassed you in front of your friends. Anything. If there's anything you want to get off your chest, I'm, I'm here. I'm holding space for you. And he's just like, oh, I'm good. And I said, I'll ask you again in a few years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I've asked him lately. I don't know if I ever asked him again. But yeah, I presented that to my kids recently, right? Like, this is not a conversation that just needs to be once. Right. Right. It can be over and over and over. And sure. as you like unfold and new stuff know. comes up or yeah. new questions or new. Yeah. yeah any questions or any yeah. anything, even if I don't perceive it the same way as you. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna let you have it. I'm gonna yep, give it totally. to you. Yep. I yep. will let you off the hook. I don't yep. want you to be on the hook for any of this. No, and you're probably right. Right. Yeah. If you have yeah. a feeling about how it was, you are right. And I yeah, don't need totally. to be yeah. right. I don't need to be right. I'm willing to be a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. I hope that 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 story wasn't. What am I feeling nervous about? I'm feeling un I'm feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> well, exposed. I mean, I'm the, that's the that's the deal about this podcast, dude. I don't know what we've gotten ourselves into, but it's like take off one more piece of armor. Why do I feel like I have some code of, of secrecy? Why do I why am I imposing this code of secrecy on myself about my life? Right. Like I exactly. these are things that happen to me just because exactly. I mention a name that someone else might know who that is doesn't yeah. mean that it's forbidden to ever speak of. Right. Right? Yeah. I know. I feel it too though. I feel it too. Like I don't know. I don't know what we're afraid of, but it feels like I don't talk about this outside of like my conversations with friends that I've known as long as you, which is right, a very yeah. few yeah. number of people, right? I like, guess we're breaking through it. I mean, I guess this is what we're doing here. We're, we're breaking ex, through it and talking ex, about stuff exposure. that we may have been conditioned to believe we weren't supposed to talk about. Right. I guess this is one of those stories. But I've always been really aware, maybe hyper aware of quote unquote name dropping, which... Which is what? What it, I mean, clout seeking. I don't know. Trying to sound cool because we n have known some people who ended up getting popular. Well, famous, there's other people wealthy. know who they are. Yeah. So who who cares? I mean, Ew. who who gives a crap? We're not uh, we're not clout seeking. How does it how does it benefit me in any way? <laughs> How does it? I mean, to tell the to tell the story that I just told. Like, what what could my motivate? What would my ego's motivation be to tell a story like that? I mean, that? what I hope it is is that it's like funny and like a good story, and that people could see that that like pretty rampant wild drug addiction and some bad behavioral health decisions and you know like that that mm -hmm. is all survivable yeah and that like people can triumph over really difficult and challenging things yeah so if that's i mean that's to me what the point is 
So if anybody thinks the point is something else, they can go fuck themselves. Well, that's the problem with my 20s, you know, period a period in my 20s. Like, to talk about any of it often would include someone that might be a, a higher high-profile person or whatever you want to call it, a, fam- a famous person or whatever. So then am I not supposed to tell those right, certain no. stories because they happen to include someone that other people know who they are? So am I supposed to wipe out that whole part of my life no. because I don't want to say No, we're not doing that. We're not right. going to do that. Right. It's your life. You get yeah. to tell the story of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, this is something I've grappled with, you know, yeah. f- for for a long time. And honestly, I think it's like, I think it's 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 we're both afraid of being exposed and vulnerable, and this is a mask yeah. it's hiding behind. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, and you know, specifically around Kurt, of course, it's always been a big. I've always gone back and forth about talking about him or telling a story yeah. that involves it's him. It's just true. Whatever, but it's just, it's just truth, true. Yeah. It's just the truth. Yeah. Sometimes the truth is going to make us look cool, and sometimes it's going to make us look like a scrubby drug addict. <laughs> like right. That, that's just or the both. way it is. Yeah. Or both at the same time. But I, I have the exper- I've had experiences where I've heard firsthand stories from people about, let's say, like John Lennon, to, well, this really has happened. I heard a firsthand story from someone about John Lennon, and I heard a firsthand story from someone about Oprah Winfrey. And I found them both equally intriguing, delightful, interesting. I loved the stories. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time that I started to realize, like, people might get that same sense from my stories. Mm-hmm. And they're just stories. It's okay. Like, I didn't, I wasn't judging the person that was telling me these stories. I wasn't in my head thinking, what a freaking name dropper. What a right. corny, what a corny person for telling me a story right. about Oprah right. or about John Lennon. I found it really, truly fascinating. Yeah. And then I started feeling like other people might enjoy these stories. It doesn't have yeah. to be, like. I think Seattle has a weird yeah. relationship yeah. with fame, right? Yeah. Well. Like. We're so, like, anti, yeah. right? We're so, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I mean, that's the whole grunge era is, like, yeah. if, it, if you think you're cool, you're not. Yeah. Right? Like, this is cool. Like, being uncool is cool. And I mm-hmm. think it's, like, everyone's all tripped up in that of just, like, Okay, so there's it's this like secret. That. Oh, this I've, secret. I've heard of this really cool band. You haven't heard of them. You don't yeah, know who they are. Yeah, you don't know. And if you're if you think you're cool, you're not cool. And so now we're all in this like double secret who's cool and who's not cool. And it's only the uncool people who are really cool or whatever. Yeah. And but all of it's bullshit because. Yeah. Because that that was all just uh, a masquerade. Yeah. Because because people got famous and they made a lot of money and they didn't give the money away because it wasn't cool. Right. Like, so don't tell me that you're against fame. Because you profited. Well, that was the big, I mean, that was the big thing that happened was that it wasn't cool until someone went that direction of major label stuff. And then, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole rabbit hole that is going to take a long time. But Seattle's like weirdly like anti-fame, anti-bourgeoisie, right? But then look what happened. 
But every single human being from Seattle got famous. I mean, every, it's bizarre. And, uh, most of the millionaires, billionaires are from here or live yeah. here, right? <laughs> right, like, yeah. Weird. <laughs> We're like so schizophrenic or like double secret. Too cool. Seattle freeze. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all just, it's just ridiculous. I mean... I don't, I don't feel it now. I feel like all the, all the people I know that are our age that were you know, around at that time and that are still friends and people that are, you know, healthy and happy and well, I think those people are all very grateful, generous, really, really yeah. good people. There's some really good people that ended up being famous and rich and, and are doing great things for the yeah. city and with their money and... but. They had to break through that barrier of, yeah. like, we don't want to toil in darkness. We want to make a living doing yeah. our craft. I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that at all. I think with age comes some softening, softening. of some yeah. very, like, very hard edges of, like, Not even, needing to like, be cool, yeah. No. Luckily. No. Luckily, we kind of grew up past ourselves. Yeah, well, I, I do believe that... Yeah, there are people st- our age that still are suffering from believing that they have to try to be cool or whatever. They're not. Yeah, we know those people, and I f- truly f- feel bad that anyone yeah, is going to spend brutal. any time. <laughs> they're brutal people. Yeah, yeah, not, <laughs> they're pretty yeah. hard to be around. <laughs> yeah, gosh, but you know, God bless them. God bless them. I mean, maybe. I didn't have any friends in school for a long time. I was a weird kid who was like the loner new kid in school all the time. And I guess I just didn't, I I don't have that. I'm not part of the cool club sensibility, maybe because I was part of a cool club at one time Mm -hmm. or what was considered to be cool at that time. But I didn't ever really necessarily think of myself as being super cool. I've never, I've never, here's what I know as an adult with, my wisdom of today is that there are no cool kids. No. There is no, no cool kids. Because I've heard every person, I've heard so many inventories, and I've heard, talked to so many people who are mad at the cool kids, and I'm like, wait, but aren't if you're not the cool kids, who are you talking about? Like, yeah. who are these mysterious cool? Like, what are the, where are the cool people? Right. Why are they like they they don't exist. There aren't any. Everyone's no. just being just hanging out with their friends. And if you yeah. feel snubbed, if you walk into a room and feel like you're on the outside, that says more about you than it does about the people. Sure. Right? Like you walked into the room with that feeling. And yeah, I don't walk I definitely, into the room with that feeling anymore. No. And, you know, I've had people since I've been in recovery, since I've been sober, tell me like, oh, yeah, I I saw you back then and you, I thought you were too cool to talk to me. And I'm yeah. like, well, did, I, did right. I know you? Did you say hello to me? I yeah. mean, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. Like all, people make big stories up about you, yeah. you know, about yeah. situations, about yeah. how they're feeling. Like, yeah. oh, there's a fun bunny. Yeah. He's not saying hi to me. Right. Well, does he know you? I mean, right. whatever. It's like we all I mean, I, have these. Someone you know. just told someone else that I was a mean girl last week, right? Like <laughs> that's still happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and yeah. I gar- I can promise you this. I am not a mean person. I'm not mean. I'm not, not a mean, mean girl. No. I'm not a but mean girl. You are a Scorpio. So now I I am a Scorpio. I right. I get. And what I what I will say is if you 
think that I'm a mean person, that says more about you than it does about me. Yeah. And even someone a few weeks ago said to me, I was like, oh, hi, we saw her somewhere. And I was like, oh, hi, so-and-so. And she goes, oh, I was going to say hi to you earlier, but I didn't think you would remember me. And I was like, well, of course I remember you. I mean, I go through that too, though. I understand. Yeah. I understand that. But like, no, I, I know you. Like, we, mm-hmm. we know each other. But it's just right. so common to, f- to have that fear of yeah, like, oh, right. shit, what if I say right. something to someone and they don't yeah. know who I am? And so, like, is it possible that I can soften about people maybe who are still walking around with that? Like, is, right. can I be, you know, kinder to people when I know they might be feeling that way? Right? Like, there's a difference between, well, that's your problem, not my problem. And, like, yeah, I know you have that problem, and here's how I'm going to, like, soften it for you. Yeah. Or sometimes I am just squinting and staring at the ground, and (laughs) and I might not look very approachable. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe I have a resting bitch face. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, well, I talked about this the other night. I feel like I definitely can try harder. I can definitely try to be more friendly. I can definitely show up early and say hi to people or whatever needs to be done. Like, I'm totally willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. I forgot how impactful that is and how important it is to have someone just say hello to you and welcome you and make you feel like you belong. So that's my new mantra is I'm going to let's work on it. Let's let's I I mean, I feel like that is compassion. Yeah. 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 For strangers or not strangers. For anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just say for people who, you know, might be feeling a way that makes them feel like they're on the outside or or you don't know. We never know. Assume. No one ever knows. Assume even, maybe they do. Even people that we think know that we like them or that we know them or whatever, people that we're acquainted with, that we see people who seem around, just make an extra effort to be nice to even people that we do know. I don't know. Or that I know. I don't know. <laughs> are, but then they're, are they going to die of shock? Are they going to go yeah, into maybe. Are they going to have a stroke? Maybe. Like what? Are they going to start stalking us? She's being friendly. Right. Well, that's the thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't mean it like her. that. I don't I want don't any, I don't, I don't want any social <laughs> obligations or any like <laughs> new friends. I'm not anything. coming to your party. I'm not coming to your baby shower. <laughs> no, never a wedding. I'm not coming to your wedding. No. Or your sports event. Mm-mm. Most likely. I will come to your house and buy secondhand clothing from you, mm-hmm. probably. Well, this is a hodgepodge of an episode, but... Late I'm night gonna, podcast. Late night podcast. Anything could happen. I'm going to push through my weirdness, and hopefully when we <laughs> listen to it, hopefully by then I'll have worked through the anxiety of... Well, it's in the can Oversharing, over-disclosing, We can't go back and... I mean, we haven't really done any editing. So no, never. So we're not going to start. Okay. So it's in the can. I'll just it's breathe. It's in the wild. I'll breathe through it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Should we call it? Are we done? Yeah, we're done. Okay. I'll, meet, I'll see you in the kitchen. I got to get I'll some s- more of your soup. Okay. I'll see you in the kitchen in two minutes. All right. See you in the kitchen. Bye. Bye. Bye.